Today, I would like to talk with you about the life of faith. And I have three points. First, what kind of person was Noah? Second, Noah was a man of faith. And third, we need to be people of faith like Noah. Elisha, if you could just lower the volume just a tinge. Thank you. Let's begin with number one. What kind of person was Noah? In the first book of the Torah, Breshit, we are told that Noah found favor in the eyes of God. What was it about Noah that caught God's attention? Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 tells us, Noah ish tzaddik tamid Adonai bedorotav et Elohim hit halech Noah. Noah was a righteous man, an ish tzaddik, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. David and Mary, I hope that, uh, by the way, your Noah can hear this message maybe later because I think it'll be very affirming to him since his name is Noah. Clearly, Noah was an extraordinary man of God. But despite God's kudos in Genesis chapter 6, the early rabbis were conflicted about how to view him. For example, Rabbi Yochanan argued that the statement we just read, that Noah was blameless in his generation, was a kind of backhanded compliment. There is a similar statement at the beginning of Genesis 7, where the Lord says to Noah, quote, I have found you righteous in this generation. Then we have the embarrassing note in chapter 9, that Noah became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Rabbi Yochanan argued that Noah must have been righteous only relative to the wicked generation in which he lived. In other words, Noah would not have been counted as a righteous man in later generations. But Rabbi Shimon strongly disagreed with Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Shimon, who had been a Roman gladiator before he became a rabbi, understood Genesis 6 through 7 to mean that if Noah was able to become an Ish Sadiq, a righteous man, in that utterly evil generation, with all of its temptations, kol vachomer, how much more would his righteousness have shined in later generations that were not as evil? I don't know about you, but I tend to agree with Rabbi Shimon. But then how should we view Noah getting drunk with Manashevitz and lying around with not even the fruit of the loom on. Well, we definitely shouldn't follow his example in Genesis 9. Do we all agree? Noah's hangover is a reminder to us that Noah, just like all the righteous men and women in the Bible, except one, had their weaknesses and at times succumbed to them. It is also a reminder 
that our Father in heaven does not leave us or forsake us after we blow it big time. He continues to love us, calls us to repent, and if we are responsive, he uses our biggest blunders to draw us and others closer to him. Amen? Which brings us to my second point. Noah was a man of faith. In the New Testament, Noah is described as a man of exemplary faith. What is faith, and how did Noah model faith? In the book of Hebrews or Messianic Jews, we are told in chapter 11, and let's all uh, say this together, faith is being confident of what we hope for, convinced about things we do not see. By faith, Noah, warned by God about events as yet unseen, respected the warning, and built an ark to save his household. Faith, my friends, my brothers and sisters, is an inward confidence in our spirit about something that God has dropped into our hearts. In addition, it is a response to that which God has dropped into our hearts in the form of action, what we might call faithfulness. In Noah's case, he heard God tell him something that in the natural would be very difficult to believe if you think about it, that God was going to destroy the whole world, including every person and creature in it, and that Noah had to build an ark to save himself, seven members of his family, and a remnant of birds and animals. The ark had to be made of a particular kind of wood that was coated with pitch inside and out. It was to be 450 feet long. That's 100 feet longer than a football field. 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Ken, do you think you could build an ark? Huh. Ken, Ken led the building of our sukkah. What's that, Lloyd? He, he built the first one. Okay. You know, it's a massive project. Massive. How did, and it was to have three stories or decks with many rooms. How did Noah respond after he heard this from God? Did he say, I must be Meshuggah? and do nothing about it? I must be crazy? On the, on the contrary, he believed what God told him. Twice in Genesis chapter 16, excuse me, chapters 6 through 7, we are told emphatically, Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Now, how long do you think it took Noah to do everything God commanded him? A month? A year? Let's think for a moment exactly what he had to do. He had to find the particular trees. In Hebrew, atse gopher, gopher wood. 
if there were not enough of these gopher trees, he would have to plant them and wait for them to grow up. Then he had to cut down the trees. He had to bring the trees to the building area. And in those days, they didn't have cranes and, and, and trucks to deliver them. He had to cut the trees into hundreds, maybe thousands of planks of wood. He had to attach the planks to each other according to the dimensions God gave him. He had to make rooms inside the ark. He had to create tons of caulking or sealant to cover the outside and inside of the ark. He had to gather tons of food to store in the ark. He had to bring into the ark every kind of animal and bird and deal with the animals that weren't so cooperative or wanted to eat some of the other passengers. He had to convince his wife, his three sons, and his son's wives to go into the ark and live there for seven days before the flood began. He had to deal with people who thought that he was a lunatic. We are not told that anyone helped him to build the ark. Think of the financial investment. So how long did it take for Noah to complete this project? How long did he walk by faith and not by sight? Well, we are not told. But it had to be years, if not decades. Noah was not just a person who exercised faith, but he exercised faith over the long haul. He lived a life of faith. Which brings me to my third point, which is that we need to be people of faith like Noah. In today's Torah portion, Chukat, we are told that our people did not have water to drink when we were in the desert of Tzin. By the way, it's the desert of Tzin, not the desert of Sin, just to let us all know. So Moses and Aaron came before the Lord to find out what to do. And the Lord said that he would send rain on the land. Is that what it says? No. No, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Numbers chapter 28, and in chapter 20, verse 8, V'dibartem el haselah le'enehem v'natan memav. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. The Lord told Moses and Aaron to take a step of faith like Noah did. The Lord told them to do something that in the eyes of normal people would be ridiculous. And that was to speak to that rock. Has anyone here ever spoken to a rock? Has anyone ever here heard anything come back to you from the rock? <laughs> if you have, please see me after the service. We're told, Vidibar tem el haselah, speak to that rock. 
please repeat after me. Vidibartem. El Hasela. Vidibartem. El Hasela. Speak to that rock. Everyone, speak to that rock. As though you're the Lord saying it. Speak to that rock. That's right. That's what Moses and Aaron heard. The Lord didn't say exactly what words to speak to the rock. So Moses and Aaron had to figure that out. Maybe they said, Rock, please give us 10,000 gallons of water. Please scratch that rock. Please give us 100,000 gallons of water. We have a lot of people here. Would you please? If I were Moses and Aaron, I would have wanted to say that privately to the rock. Wouldn't you? Just in case nothing happened. But the Lord anticipated this fleshly response. So he said in Numbers chapter 20, verse 8, let's see, speak to that rock before their eyes. In other words, the Lord wanted Moses and Aaron to do this in front of the whole community. And if they did, the Lord says in Numbers chapter 20, verse 8, it will pour out water. Moses and Aaron had to have faith that if they spoke to the rock in front of all the people, that tens of thousands of gallons of water would pour out of that little rock. That, my brothers and sisters, takes faith. The faith of Noah. I think Moses and Aaron thought, you know, if water doesn't come out of that rock, people are going to throw rocks at us. <laughs> but water came out of the rock. Because God said it would. And you know what? Remember what Rabbi Ron, Rabbi Ron said when he was here? If we do what God tells us, we will be blessed. If we follow the Bible, we will be blessed. If we hear God tell us to speak to a rock in front of a bunch of people, and we do it, and God really said that, I guarantee you we will be blessed. And in front of all the eyes of the people, tens of thousands of gallons of water poured out of that rock. We have to have the faith of Noah, the faith of Moses and Aaron, so that when we encounter challenges in our lives, and the Lord says, speak to that rock, we will not shrink back but boldly do what the Lord said, even before the eyes of unbelievers, because we know that the Word of God is like a hammer that breaks a what? A rock into smithereens. If we have the faith of Noah, we will see the miracles that Noah saw. If we have the faith of Moses and Aaron, we will see the miracles that Moses and Aaron saw. 
And all it takes is faith as small as a mustard seed in order to move a mountain. Let us remember this powerful lesson. Do you know the story of how our congregation acquired this beautiful building that we are in, which used to be an Orthodox synagogue? It is a testimony of faith. This is what the historical records of Tikvot state about a meeting that was called in the early days of Tikvot. It says that Mo Slate, one of the pillars of the congregation, shared a vision he had years before. In this vision, he saw this synagogue vacant and lifeless. Suddenly, the large stained-glass stars of David facing the streets began to glow. People who had been walking past stopped and began to pour into the old building. And just as suddenly, the building began to pulsate with life. The story silenced all of us, and we knew God was calling us to move into the old synagogue, unquote. God dropped into Mo Slate's heart and others that day a vision for acquiring this building. In the natural, it was impossible. It was Meshuggah. The building was too expensive for such a small congregation, and the owner of the property didn't want to sell it to Messianic Jews. But our God makes the impossible possible. And here we are today, praying and worshiping in this beautiful synagogue. We are called to live the life of faith, to walk by faith, and not by sight, as Noah did. And when we do this, even mountains can be moved and thrown into the sea. Orthodox synagogues can become messianic synagogues. Has God dropped into your heart a vision for something that he wants to do through you? If so, hold on to that vision. Don't let it go. Don't let anyone persuade you that it's crazy to have that vision if God gave it to you. Be like Noah, who believed God and then did something about it, little by little, over the course of time, until that ark was built. If you are a member of Tikvot Israel, then the Lord has already dropped into your heart a vision for building up the Messianic Jewish community and for building up Tikvot Israel. I encourage you to allow the Lord to fill your heart with vision for how he wants our movement and this synagogue to grow. And then, like Noah, begin exercising your faith to see that vision come about plank by plank in the years to come. To sum up, today we have talked about the life of faith. And I had three points. First, what kind of person was Noah? Second, Noah was a man of faith. And third, we need to be people of faith like Noah. Amen? Let's pray.